Mike, turn your games down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another mini DLC episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Hubbard, and who's underwater with me today? I'm uh, Bill Tucker, host of A Gamer Looks at 40. Welcome back, as always. <laughs> You're on the show all the uh, time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I am Joseph Butler, but please call me Joe. And welcome back. So we, so, God, when did we, I should have looked this up. We covered Bioshock 2 a few months ago. That was the one part I was not prepared for. I was like, I should have people watch. So if, you, if you're listening to this, we're going to be covering the Bioshock 2 Minerva's Den DLC. So just to be warned that we are going to, there will be spoilers for Bioshock 2, spoilers for this. If you haven't listened to our Bioshock 2 episode, you should. That came, that was episode 143, came out on October 3rd. God, so it's been, been about four months since we played the first one. So, and then uh, Bioshock 1 also came out in June 6, 2021, episode 126. So check that out, too. And so what we're here to talk about today is the, the, the download. The, I unplugged my mic. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to talk about the DLC, which came out the same year Bioshock 2 came out, which was 2010, but came out in August, where the game came out. And I think it was February or so. Something like that. Yeah. Again, I we should be it. we should be way more prepared for this. There is a thing called Wikipedia where we can gather these facts in a very easy and convenient way. Yep, they were open. It's just that when I pulled up my microphone, everything went to shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it happens. Whole brain just went. <laughs> but yes, so August, I mean, or February. I'm not a big fan of DLC. I didn't. I used to buy a ton of them when they're on sale. I'm like, oh, I'm going to play those one day, and then I never ever did. So I actually never played this before until this week, even though I bought it multiple times. <laughs> what is your history with the bill? Uh, I, I didn't play it also when I when I originally played Bioshock 2 way back when it was kind of sort of released. I played it for the first time after we played Bioshock 2, actually, for the show. And I said, I, I wonder if I wonder if we're going to do the DLC on the Bioshock 2 episode. I should probably knock it out just in case. And so I did because I actually had an extra week to play it before the recording. And man, is it good. I've heard nothing but good things about it. And I really think this is an excellent DLC. We'll talk about it. Uh, but it does a lot of things right. And it really presents a different a different angle to the Bioshock story, which I think DLCs need to do. But we'll talk about it. But I, that was my history with it. And then I, I kind of, before this recording, just kind of ran through bits and pieces of it. Kind of opened some old saves and just kind of did like 10 minutes on each save just to kind of refamiliarize okay. myself. What about you, Joe? That was my first time playing it. It was a little weird. I really didn't know what I was walking into, so but I had a lot of fun, I guess. It it was a DLC without giving away everything. I like the story a lot more in this one than the actual main story, I guess. Bioshock's known for its absolute twist, and I'll give this one it was pretty good. So I liked it. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Mike? I, this was also my my first time playing it, but I liked it. Like I I came into it not expecting much. I unfortunately didn't play it right because I rushed it because I was trying to beat Sonic Adventure or God, what the hell is I trying to beat? I was trying to beat whatever the hell, oh Batman Arkham Origins, which is episode we're about, I'm about to record tomorrow. This will, this will be months after a month after you heard this. But so I, I I was doing that and then I just wasn't playing this game. So Thursday night came and I'm like shit, I gotta play this. So I rushed through it, which is not the right way to play this because I was in a hurry. And I, but I did enjoy it. I mean, it's been a while since I played Bioshock 2. I was just, so I was a little unfamiliar with how to play. I got my ass handed to me early on in this game. And I'm like, I don't like yeah. this. And then I remembered, oh yeah, the game has adaptive difficulty. Let's turn that off. <laughs> so I think that's what was happening because things were really hard to kill at first. Like very quickly. Yeah. Good. I keep and I was like, this doesn't have, feel right. I keep forgetting these games have adaptive difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> same, same. I don't, re I never remember that. Is that like automatically on? Yes. Yep. 
Oh, really? Okay. I see. That's the thing. I never, I never realized that. Okay. But I mean, if you just got done playing Bioshock Two, you'd be more in the system of how you're playing. I couldn't even remember what key to hit in order to get to when you had a little sister to show where they're supposed to go to go find the body to harvest. I could not remember the key for the life of me. So my solution was just kill the little sisters because I couldn't remember the key. I didn't want to go through it. <laughs> wow. So you were an evil, evil person on this. Uh, yeah, not by choice, but by laziness. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't have time to go and do this harvesting thing again because I. So I had forgotten about the harvesting thing, and then as soon as I started up this game, I'm like, oh, God, this again. And I'm like, well, fuck this shit, and I, I did it with one sister, then the rest just were murdered. Turned into but the, har- the harvesting is so fun. I mean, I don't know. I, I know we, <laughs> we talked about it last time. I know I don't think, Joe, you were too hot on the harvesting, but... Nope. Man, yeah, I love like just setting up the room, <laughs> and all the rooms are very conducive to setting up your traps. Although I... in this one, you don't, get a t- you don't get as many toys. We'll talk no. about it. Yeah. I liked it last time in Bioshock 2, but this playthrough, because I was so short on time, I wasn't interested. That was, And that wasn't the game's fault. That was my fault for not starting this earlier in the week sure. and waiting. So I can't, I don't blame the game for that. Right. That was just a me thing where I was just constrained. Plus, I just had a lot going on this week. Didn't want to play. Again, there is this thing called there is this thing called COVID, which is ravaging everyone's homes. So, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's causing problems, obviously. But I you know, I think it's we can we can kind of get into the nuts and bolts of it. Maybe it's the big thing with this DLC is it introduces, I think, one new weapon, one new plasmid, a couple new enemy types, um, which I think is good. I like when DLCs add some stuff, but but keep the core of it and you receive things in a different order. So one of the big things in this is you get telekinesis first. That's your first plasmid, if I remember correctly. It is, and that um, also yeah. bothered me because I love the shocking ability, <laughs> and that, in fact, do. I didn't yep. have that upset. Yep. Yeah, most people do like the shocking ability best, and you don't get that to like halfway through, which is really, really different. I love that. I think it's a it's a good opportunity to give you a very powerful plasmid, which telekinesis is very powerful. You learn how to use it. A lot of the game is really no issue. Because you can throw anything, basically, especially anything that explodes. Other dead splicers are really good for throwing, so that's good. And you start with the ion gun, which is brand new to the DLC. It's kind of like this steady damage laser that kind of burns through ammo pretty quick. Kind of like the old, the, like a flamethrower almost, but direct laser beam. Fine. Better than the rivet gun, so yeah, there's that. <laughs> oh, the rivet gun is still useless to me. I got it, oh, of course, totally I yeah. never like it. It it doesn't. It just isn't powerful enough for what it is. So I'm not gonna lie. I didn't find the like. I think it was like the Gatling gun until like the very end of the game. There's a Gatling gun in this game. Yeah, you can find ammo for it. Oh, I don't think I found. I did not find it then. Yeah, there, there's the only thing you don't get. I guess they replaced the slot for the camera because you don't because it's just it's a DLC and it's short. They right. replaced the camera with the ion beam, which I did love. It's it's such a neat weapon. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't find it until I think the the very last part when you're fighting enemies, and I think one enemy's dropped one. I was like, "Oh, cool! Now I have one. Now I'll just use this for the rest of the rest of the playthrough." Yeah, basically, right? Cool. I think I, uh, I yeah. didn't find it at all. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, yeah, like you said, kind of you, you have that little end game weapon, which is nice. I mean, you don't you get the rivet gun after you get the shotgun. Like, there's no reason for a rivet gun after you have a shotgun. I, I mean, didn't get the uh-huh. shotgun until way later. Really? Okay, yeah, maybe my order's wrong. I love the shotgun. I was upset when I didn't get the shotgun because I, I got it midway through this, probably in the second area by the time I finally found it. That sounds about right. I also didn't okay. explore as much as I normally would because I was rushed. I was just... Yeah. Another thing that irritated me with this game, that wasn't the game's fault. This is, again, my fault because I was rushed. But the fact that 
the arrow isn't there all the time. There's a good chunk of the part where you're just running around trying to find a plasmid and you don't have the arrow. And I was like, come on, I want to know where to go. I just, <laughs> and again, not the game's fault, just me rushing because I procrastinated. Well, it's okay. And, and and I do like it. I like when it takes the little training wheels, not training wheels, that's a bad way of saying it. But I like when it, it kind of opens it up and say, hey, just find it. These environments are not that big. It's kind of no. like, yeah, just run around in circles for a bit. You'll find the thing we're, we're looking for. And it's going to be glowing, glowing yellow. So it's not going to yeah. be hidden in the environment anywhere. You know, you're not going to be pixel hunting for the uh, plasmids. It's not um, going to be a clip hidden inside a birdcage right next to a <laughs> No. <laughs> Someone got that joke out there. I didn't get that joke. What was it? Resident Evil 1 GameCube. Okay. There's two clips in the birdcage in one of the early rooms that you wouldn't. There's no significance that they're there other than the guy told me to click the button and they're there. <laughs> so I don't miss that age of gaming. I like when because I you in this game you can turn off the glowing items. I make everything glow. Every I want everything to be seen. So I don't miss it. Same, sure. Because that's how I play. Yeah, that's fair. I also use the drill a lot in this game. I was really a fan of the drill for like when I first started, I didn't use the plat, the laser can that you get. Cause I didn't think it killed fast enough. So I just used the drill constantly until that was no longer an option. Cause I just <laughs> didn't have, I wasn't having fuel and I just, it wasn't going well. And I had to finally start using guns actually. Well, you see Mike, fun fact, the laser has a fire option and people are weak to fire. And that's oh. usually what got me through most of it. Okay. I, I didn't. Yeah. I saved all the extra ammo until the end of the game for some reason because it's me. <laughs> as 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 most people do, as most people do. I my thing is if I find if I find ammo I I don't need. That's a cue to me is to actually use that ammo. It's like oh I have a lot of phosphorus buck and I have full up and I can't take this. Let me just use phosphorus buck for a little while, you know. And that's kind of how I I try to play it. So I always have it. yeah I always have just enough ammo for everything because I want to use all the toys. It's the thing I'm trying to do now. I also didn't like it that you the plasma that you do start when you get telekinesis and you get the security one, which I have never used in any of the games. I don't like. No, so I was okay. also just upset that I wasn't getting my plasma. I didn't get the freeze till a little later. I didn't get the fire. I didn't get any of the plasmas that I that I like to use because I'm also very one sided in, in Bioshock games. I only use the one type of plasmas. I don't switch around. It's just how I play. Not right, but it's how I play. Is there ever truly a right way to play video games, Mike? Yes, in a game like this, the, the true way would be use the different plasmas that have the advantages for the areas that you're in and actually experiment and do different things, not just stick with the one thing and not change at all. So uh, I'm not going to lie, I, I completely forgot I was playing Bioshock 2. And when I did all the little <laughs> sisters, I forgot. It's like there's the game goes, oh, here comes a big sister. And I was like, oh, the game didn't tell me this would happen. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if they were going to show up because th this game is broken in three areas and only two of the three areas have little sisters in them. And in the first area, I got all three and I was like, I wonder if they're going to do a big sister. All of a sudden the music starts do, 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 do. And, it, and I'm like, oh, yep, it's coming. And then all of a sudden she just, it doesn't even say she's coming. She just shows up and starts trying to kill me. And I'm like, oh, here yeah. you are. Well, you get the, that, that weird, like you get that weird, like, rah, like refractive mm -hmm. thing that happens. That's kind of your cue that big sister's coming. And that's, that's, that's what I love about this DLC. It's just Bioshock 2. If you like combat in Bioshock 2, it's here. And if you like Big Sisters, it's here. If you like Harvest mo things, it's here. And, <laughs> you know, I never even thought about it. You just, uh, you know, just uh, harvest the, the little sisters and ignore the ignore the defense sec sections. But again, I setting up traps and cyclone traps and all that fun stuff is still here. So all that core is still here. It's just more game you know. With some extra ad little things bolted on and a really, really good story, I think. That's obviously a very personal story, which we'll talk about. The for other because sure. that's yeah, that's the, the big that's draw why most, of this yeah, DLC. Most mm -hmm. people are here for that, yeah. 
I do I want do want to talk about the new plasmid, which is Gravity Well. Um, it. I, it's not great. <laughs> it's not great. I mean, it's it's neat in concept, but poor in execution because the problem is that your enemy your enemies are generally really fast. So if you throw it. They, and, and enemies in this game don't really crowd either, I felt like. They swarm, but they didn't really crowd, which is what that weapon would be good for. Just in case you've never played Gravity Well, is you throw a mini black hole, and it creates a little mini black hole where enemies will get sucked up into. They don't die, and they don't do damage. They just kind of sit there, and then you can just pick them off really easy with whatever weapon you have. And it also opens doors, so it's really a key, and that's why you get it in the first place, is just to open electromagnet, electromagnetic doors. Joe, what did you think about Gravity Well? Oh, I loved it. It was so silly. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, like it, it was it was silly using. That's the only reason why I like using it because you throw it and the enemies just go. Woo! Oh, it's extremely silly. I mean, yeah. my silliness <laughs> is cyclone trap. That's why I, cyclone traps are for me are fun because it's just very comic, you know, comic-y like Looney Tunes. Whoop, 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 you know, and then they fall and hurt their heads. It's great. Yeah, cyclone traps always best. Oh, man, do I love a cyclone trap. Was that in this game? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. I didn't. I guess I didn't buy very many plasmids. I was just doing the, like, I bought the ones that I like, and I just, yeah, that's all I used. <laughs> I also messed around with Winter Blast a little more in this this time around. When I was just playing through it a couple nights ago, just to refamiliarize. Um, that is a pretty fun mechanic. I, I actually like that. Freezing and then smashing with your drill is actually a pretty fun thing. It is. It's not as good as it was when I was playing Bioshock 1 or Bioshock 2, I felt like they didn't smash as well as I like. But yeah, it was cool. Winter Blast will always be my favorite. I love breaking enemies into tiny pieces with a shovel. But then you don't <laughs> get <items. laughs> Oh, is that like. the problem? You don't get items? You don't get items when you break them in ice. Yeah, you do. You do? Oh. Yeah, they'll drop like little lock boxes and stuff sometimes. Sometimes. Oh. Okay. I didn't freeze very many people. Mainly the people that you found that were already frozen in the game that I just broke. And they didn't have any items. What was with the vacuum bots? Did anyone get all five vacuum bots? And is there a thing? I know they drop like, you know, doodads, but. What's the vacuum box? Vacuum bots? Nobody else knows the vacuum bots? I, I know. I'm talking about Bill. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it, again, I, I rushed this. I just have to I keep know. putting that out there. I think one drops a tape that talks about something, but I don't remember what it was. It might have been a tape. No. It might have been a tape about. The robotic little sisters. Yes. But yeah, um, that's, a, that's a that's a great moment, by the way. Yeah, but I I uh I uh I, I couldn't find all of them. I wasn't bothered trying to look for all of them because I was very out of it playing this entire game. Oh yeah. Ugh. Sorry to hear that. That's right. Ugh. Yeah. That sucks. I mean, so Mike, did you did you come across? We can talk about environments now too, because that's really the only thing that's different are some of the weapons and extra plasmid. I think there's like an extra tonic that I don't remember. I don't think I used. Maybe um, there were like some of the extra like just hit ones that help a little bit, but I don't remember anything that stood out. I would just grab them as they came. I didn't really pay attention. Right. The ones so, so the environments, of course, is pure Bioshock, and this will lend into the story a bit. There's one area though that I think is actually geniusly made, where and this is again more phenomenal environmental storytelling and kind of that immersive sim stuff. The there's a moment where you crawl into like a little hole because you can see a little hole. So you kind of crouch and crawl into this little space in the wall. And as you emerge from the other side of the wall, there is this like doll looking at you, this doll little sister just staring at you with blank doll eyes. And you walk into this room and it is covered with little sister dolls, like little sister, they're robots. And they're just staring at you. It is so creepy and good. And there's liquor bottles strewn everywhere, like 
full of liquor bottles. By the way, I think on this playthrough, they they give you the um, if you drink liquor, it actually restores your health. Does and it? I think I use it. Yeah, there's a there's a plasmid that allow or there's a tonic I think that allows you to if you drink alcohol, it actually restores health and Eve. So you kind of turn into the village drunkard. You can sit there and just drink all the vodka you want and just like, <laughs> I think you'll still get wavy eyed. I think you still get wavy eyed, but it I is got completely really drunk once in the game. Oh, fantastic. Oh, fantastic. It's great. <laughs> anyway, so you walk into this area and it's her and the, the audio log there is some inventor who I guess Andrew Ryan commissioned to make robotic little sisters. And they made like this whole production run and then scrapped the project. So he's all on the audio log just hammered like, <laughs> Liz, I guess you thought the robotic little sisters would be better than Big Daddy's. It's it's oh so good. And there's no threats in here. It's just there for environment and for um creep factor. Very, also, very good. Also the the room's completely like hidden to let prove that like, the whole thing was a failure. Exactly. <laughs> it's completely hidden. Yeah, it's so so good. Um any of the standout areas for you? I do think that the robotic little sister is, is my favorite part because it's a reference to another Bioshock game. Which one? Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't even remember these robotic little sisters. You might not. You don't have to run into them. You have to kind of poke at the edges a bit to find it. So if you okay, were I'm, speed I running it, you didn't see them. it. Yeah, if you speed I, running I, it, you'd find it. I think one's holding a plasmid, though, isn't it? That you need. That doesn't mean I found it. <laughs> I guess. Is it? Yeah, it's holding like. Well, that's yeah, that's in a different area. That's in a, that's in the office of the guy of the. Of, that's in the section with the crane. You have to kind of like move the crane over to get across to the other side of this long chasm. The chasm, yes. You know, I don't chasm. remember that. Yeah, the, the the there there is a little robotic little sister holding the plasma, but that's in a different office. There's not like it's not the one that's covered in covered. Was in this free. in the second area? Because I, I explored so. the I first. So. The second, I rushed through more, and that's where I didn't even find all three sisters in the second area. When the game told me, are you sure you want to go on ahead? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> Bye, game. <laughs> okay. I might have to replay this at some point because I feel like I missed a lot. No, I don't, it, this is a kind of game. Again, we're here. You're here for the story. You're here for the... My problem with these games and all the Bioshock games, really, is I get lost in the story because I'm having so much fun doing emergent things in the, in the environments. So <laughs> it's like, oh, get the computer code. And I just forget when I'm... Wait, I'm getting a what? Oh, here, I'm, I'm at the shiny yellow thing. I'll hit the button. What am I supposed to get? Oh, a computer code. Sweet. Like, I lose that narrative thread because I'm so busy poking at the edges and trying to, like, this took me about, this is, and this is going to sound crazy for a DLC, it took me about six hours to play. I'd have to check my play oh. clock on it, which is a long time for a DLC of this nature, but I'm always just poking at the edges. I'm always, want every, I have that's to. That's good, it's, though. I mean, that's the thing yeah. about Minerva's Den is you are given this playground to run around in these areas that you were never at before because they're not, they're, they're a different part of Rapture that you never got yes. to. And I love the fact that totally Rapture... Yes is this giant city underwater and that in each game you're going different parts of it. I do love that idea. <laughs> and I love seeing how insane this place got. Cause this, cause this takes place after Bioshock two, I think already happened or at least during or right somewhere around then, but it happens after Bioshock one had already happened and Ryan's already gone. Yeah. I don't remember the timeline for how all these take place though. I, I want to say the, the DLC takes place after, the ending to two because of what happens at the end. And we'll get to that once we get to like the ending. Okay. I think you're right. <clears throat> Actually, yeah. I think I read it happens concurrently. That probably makes it sense too. Oh, it cool. happens. It happens. Jerkers. You're not playing as subject alpha. You're playing as subject Sigma, which is just, <laughs> you're not playing as the character from the big daddy from Bioshock two. You're playing as a different big daddy who was sent on this mission. I guess maybe we can segue into the story now, but yeah. 
yeah, I don't know if who wants to take I'll on start. that. Yeah, go for it. You play as you wake up because you were almost murdered by somebody, if I remember correctly, and you're found underwater. Then I think it's Tenenbaum, who was in the first game, revives you also briefly in the second game. And then you're sig- subject Sigma, and then you're sent to go whatever to start trying to get into Minerva's den. And I think it's CM Porter talks to you pretty early on. He's like one of the first voices you hear mm-hmm. as you're digging through the water, which I liked that you started underwater. And it, it yeah. was cool that you're a big daddy. Like that was the whole, the whole like kind of, you know, it was, it was a nice, I like being a big daddy. Even though they're not that much different than how Jack was in the first game, I still like it. Well, isn't like the whole point of like, like the big daddies from these games is that they're supposed to be smaller because they can use plasmid or something. They're supposed is to be smaller. Case? I know that. Okay. I, 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 I don't, honestly so. don't know. Yeah. I mean, you don't fight really any giant big daddies from the first game or the second game. You fight smaller big daddies in this game too. That are annoying. Yeah. The little alphas. Yeah. Those guys are, I think you said it last time, but they're, they're pretty chumps. Those, uh, those little okay. alphas. They're not, not much. No, they're not as cool as the big daddies in the first game. Well, they're alphas, you know, they're version 1.0s, so, I mean, that's fine, you know. Yeah. We improve upon the formula. It didn't bother me, it just, they weren't as, they're not as threatening as the first game. My favorite part, what's the main bad guy's name of in this? Wall? Reed? Yeah, Reed, Reed Wall. Wall. Yeah. yeah. Reed Wall is such an, like, a like I, <clears throat> I always like looking at stories, and one of my things about stories, too, is you always have to have a really good bad guy to make a really good story, and Reed Wall is such a chump, like... <laughs> the whole plot of like having a supercomputer and then being like, we can use the computer to tell the future. And it's like, and Porter's like, that's not what the computer is for. Like, stop trying to get me to make you money. And it's, right. and then he ends up like throwing him under a bus and like trying to be trying to like rub it in your face. Like the computer will tell me, you know, what's going to happen next to you, Sigma. So it doesn't matter <laughs> at the end of the day. But then like he has like these wavering lines that like, can you pick up new weapons. He's like, uh oh, you just changed the algorithm. Now I don't know uh-huh. what to do. Yep. It's a really good conceit because you, you get, he does come off uh, Reed Wall. So the kind of this to kind of back it up a little bit is that um, Reed Wall and, and Porter were partners and they mm-hmm. developed the Thinker, which is this massive supercomputer that basically manages most of Rapture's automated systems. Porter had these uh, had higher ideals for the machine as well as some other intentions which we'll talk about. And then, well, of course, like you said, he wanted to create, and I'm just reading this off the screen here, but the predictive equation, which is basically, hey, I want to be able to predict the stock market and predict, you know, football futures. games and football game. Right, exactly. Gamble. Yeah, I just wanted to be, you know, Biff from Back to the Future, too. So the sports almanac. So he, uh, <laughs> so he kind of, and because he's splicing and in Bioshock, people go crazy by splicing. It's a very convenient conceit, uh, a story driving mechanic, but it works. He kind of goes rogue and he basically frames Porter for being a, I forget what it was, being disloyal or something like that. So they he started with away. Fontaine. That's it. He started with Fontaine. And then he, so they take him away and send him down to, I guess Persephone, which is where they, yes. where they, which is basically the the jail, the prison system. And then they they turned him into a big daddy and brainwashed him. Yep, as as they did with all everyone at Persephone. That's kind of what brain big daddies are, right? They're the mm-hmm. they're the prisoners that are what happens. So you, like everybody else, right? He got turned into a big daddy and brainwashed. Which so is pretty fucked up. We were talking about the recordings. Did y'all have a favorite recording? Because I know what mine is. I gotta I think through it. Them. I don't. Rem- I listened to. <laughs> Christian, Mike. I was in a rush. Normally, I, I know you were in a rush, but see, Mike here. Let me just, I just gotta stop here for a second. Mike, you can, 
you can listen to the recordings and walk. Like you can still. <laughs> no, like, I know. That's right. The environment. Like, we do. Like I said, I was just. I had a lot going on this week. <laughs> um, my I wife know. had COVID, and I was just like not thinking. I'm like, okay, I just got to shoot things and get through this. And That's it wasn't fair. the right way to play. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <Even> um, <brain. laughs> I, I, I have to like, I can, I only listen to a few cause again, I didn't play it fully this week. I just kind of bought my way through it. The saves I had from a few months ago. I do love the audio log when that kind of addresses racism where, where Porter is, says that somebody said, why don't you turn yourself into a white man instead of a black man? And he has this very dignified, defiant answer, which I really, really appreciated. It's amazing how Bioshock 2's DLC treats racism with a little more tact than the, all of Bioshock Infinite. That's another story <laughs> altogether. Soon. Michael, make, Michael forced me to play that game at some point. Yes, next month. <laughs> next awesome. month. Well, it's February. It's a time of love, not hate. It's the end of February when we got the <laughs> recording. It's fine. it's fine. Anyway, I like that one a lot. What, what, what uh, stood out to you, Joe? There's one where you find one from uh, Andrew Ryan, and he's super pissed, and he's like, which one of you thought it was a good idea to make me a giant bronze statue? People are going to think <laughs> I have money. And it was just really funny and out of nowhere. Oh, how funny, yeah. Oh, one of the little things that I liked in Minerva's Dead multiple times, you see mine written in blue paint on stuff, where it would have said Minerva's, and he just wrote mine instead. I, I really like that, actually. <laughs> it's good. That's good. I enjoyed the whole like you're being sent by CM Porter to go down here because CM Porter's got to work his read wall and you don't really know what's going on exactly yet. But I, I did like that. I, I thought the story was pretty good. I actually after we finished, I finished playing this last night. I watched multiple videos that explained everything since I rushed. I still wanted to know because yeah. people have always talked about how great Minerva's Den is. I'm like, well, it was fine, but it's because the story is so good. And yeah. if you absorb it the way you should and go through and read it, listen to the diaries and like the, what the game does to you is another mind fuck that Bioshock is known for. Yeah. And the other side of it, too, is we're getting closer to the to kind of the ending there is that Porter has a wife, Lily. Am I right on that? Pearl. I can't. Pearl, Pearl. Thank you. Yeah. W- wife Pearl was passed passed away in one of the uh, I think it was one of the Blitzkriegs in the 40s, 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 World War Two when they Blitzkrieg London. Thank you. See, I got to ask our resident historian to clarify. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I was going to ask that. I didn't actually know what the Blitz was. And I was like, I thought they were talking about whenever, like, the start of the war of bio, of, like, Rapture. I thought that's when she died. But that's that's good to know when it was. Thank you, Mike. She died in the 1940s when Nazi Germany was blitzkrieging London. They kept bombing London every single night for, I think it was a few months, because they were going to stop London, even though all they did is go underground and they survived. But that's what he's talking about, was the Blitzkrieg, if that's what that was. Or Blitzkrieg is actually when they first attacked London, but also the Blitz scene was when they were bombing, constantly bombing London. And that's when she died during that, because CM Porter was part of the team that worked with Alan Turning to make the the machine that broke the coding for the Nazis. And I really like yeah, yeah. Turing also was murdered. In, uh, well, not really murdered, but yeah, he had a not good outcome in the end. He did not. No, he did not. The I love how this how this DLC, I think more than the other Bioshocks, connect to the real world as well. It gives yes. us some grounding. I really like that. I, he mentions again um, Turing, and he mentions again, of course, the Blitzkrieg that, that killed his wife. I love the fact that it grounds it so well in the... It, it, makes, it makes Rapture feel more real. You and know, the whole reason- we have these references to real things. He comes here because of World War II and because of what they did to Turning after the war when they just pretty much pretty much led to his death. He left and lost faith with the hum, you know, with humans and like, okay, I'll come down with Andrew Ryan to this, you know, paradise in quotations. 
So it makes sense. I, I, I agree with you. I love the fact that they put the history in there with that. I also was not expecting a Turing reference in this game. So I was like, oh, no, cool. neither was I, actually. <laughs> yeah, not really. Have you ever seen uh, the movie of Ben and Cumberbatch about Alan Turing? You know I'm a big Cumberbatch. Okay, of course I, 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 that's of course a great, I, I can't remember the name. That's a great movie. Of course, I'll follow that man anywhere. You kidding me? <laughs> Even into the multiverse of madness? Even into the multiverse of madness. Yes. I'm so excited for that movie. Same. But I, 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 it was cool. Like The story is what's really powerful about this game. I think that's why people remember it so well. Somehow, I had not been spoiled on this story at all in all the years since this came out, which is like, you know, over 10 years. I never, I had no idea what the twist was. This is one of those things where I just somehow stayed oblivious to, which I'm kind of impressed about when that happens. Because I live on the internet and I live in gaming places, yet I never knew this story. Yeah, I, I, same way, same thing. I, I didn't really know about it. The one thing I think we should kind of just touch on real quick before we kind of, in, you know, encroach on the ending. Because again, this story, the game's very straightforward as far as the linearity of getting where you need to go. It's just ferrying you from place to place to place. Got to pick up a signal beacon for this, to pick up a code for this. The whole idea is that your job is to get the programming code from the thinker and then deliver it to Tenenbaum. That yes. way she can go up and, of course, you, you know, Porter, you, you think, you assume, can go up and basically recreate this on the surface that way and... Their goal is to find a cure for the rapture disease, as they call it, which is like the splicing disease, which turns people crazy. Hey, let's make these things, you know, responsibly so people can get more benefits and not turn into raving psychopaths. So (laughs) that's kind of the point as a part of his grief, though. And I love the way this game struggles or, or deals with grief is that he's actually adding his wife into the code of this thinker. Yes, he's playing the audio tapes for her for the computer he's feeding in all about her information you know he tells the computer about it so he's trying to make the computer become her right there's one audio log where he's talking to the computer the computer turns on and he refers to it as my friend and that is so sad and i just want to take this one moment to state the voice actor for porter might be the best act voice actor in the entire Bioshock series. The that entire series. I mean, better than Andrew Ryan, better than Dopey Nolan North. I think that's who it was in Not Infinite. Better than Elizabeth. The best. Such a nuanced, beautiful performance. There's so much emotion in those audio logs. It's, it's, it's just textured, and it's just gorgeous. I, it's, it's my favorite vocal performance in the entire series. No, it was good. It's a very good job. Man. I like that. Who is that guy? I was impressed by it. <laughs> I also enjoy how, as you're going through Minerva's Den, you'll see CM Porter's si- uh, picture, portrait in places and traders written underneath it in paint. Yeah. I love the relationship of of the two of Reedwall and like how, you know, he was his partner and, and the whole idea. Of the, I know we mentioned it, but like because CM Porter wanted to use the thinker and kind of become, as, as time's progressing, he's trying to make it become his ex wife that died. And that made Reed Wall upset, not to mention the fact he was on drugs. You know, many, many powerful gene slicing drugs, so it wasn't okay. But it does such a good job of, like, pushing you along. I just didn't like... I mean, one thing also I, I didn't like personally is that it made you have to go and get a lot of different plasmas, like, in the, in the game, as I mentioned earlier, didn't tell you, so that bothered me only because I was in a rush. So the maps aren't that big, and they're pre- and everything is pretty centralized. You can figure out what the hell you're missing, but when yeah. you're in a rush, it's not fun. <laughs> but the story is the big drawing point for this, though. Like, I mean, as you're, we're getting near the end, so I think it's time to talk about kind of where it goes. So spoilers. Yeah. Um, you fight Reed Wall finally, which I liked that you finally got to kill the guy that's been giving you trouble this whole time. And he wasn't that simple. When you kill him, 
and then you have a part where there's no violence, no action. You don't have any 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 weapons, and you just walk through your old office. And apparently, I was watching the video and found out that they had the the team that made this DLC was only ten people, and they had to oh. fight for that. They because originally <laughs> they wanted to put like a boss fight and more stuff there. They had to fight to be like, no, you're just gonna walk through his office, no combat, no weapon, just walking. And they had, and they won, of course. And that's awesome. And it's so powerful, like just. The fact that you're just because I was like, where, where's the enemy? Where's my gun? I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we're just walking. So I just walked around, and you see all different parts of his office, and then you finally see the computer. And next to com- and at where the computer is, you see a whole thing dedicated to his late wife. And I thought that was, and then you find that's kind of when you find out that he was trying to make the make the machine, the thinker his wife. Is this when you find there. out that you're not who you think you are? Before that, so. okay. As you're Before as you're this. yeah, as you're approaching, as you're kind of approaching. You start to realize, like for me, like it really had held the surprise pretty well. And then towards the end, I'm like, okay, so I'm sure I'm gonna find out who I am as as Subject Sigma. There's only two characters in this whole thing, really. <laughs> and I'm like, am I Porter? So you come to learn that you are Porter, and you've been guided by the Thinker. That's who, and the Thinker is using your voice because it's the voice it knows the best, which is a really, really cool. Uh, it's a very interesting um, idea. And like I said, you were going to go up with, um, like you guys said, once you've defeated Wall, which is a tricky battle. That's not. It's an, it was not easy. It's yeah, not I, easy. I mean, it's the second that you hit that button to, because the idea is that Wall, rather than give you the programming code to let you take it, decides to just blow the whole damn thing up, which would have effectively <laughs> destroyed Rapture because that's the engine that keeps everything going. So he kind of like flips the. Again, never understand why these things have self-destruct sequences. Like, why would you do that? Like, it's like building a car that says, make the wheels fall off. Boom. You know, there's, <laughs> why would you make the wheels fall off button? It doesn't ever make sense to me. Anyway, he sets the thing that makes it going to be blow up. And it throws like three big daddies at you in a row. Like, it throws three or four of them like right at your doorstep. And I know these are the alphas that are not too big a deal. But in mass, like a swarm, like a splicer, I got wrecked pretty hard a few times in this. But, of course, you prevail at the end, and, yeah, you go into that awesome ending, which is just this beautiful little walk through his office, and you guys captured it perfectly. And he goes to the Bathosphere, and Tenenbaum is there, and I'm sure she's going to D, she'll D, uh, big daddy you once you get up there, and you have the programming code, and I good things are ahead, I guess. Because Tenenbaum's in the in Bioshock 2, but she's only in it for that little part, right, if I remember correctly? You only like you, hear her. I don't even think you see her. Oh, I think well, I think you were. Uh, you said something earlier, Mike, about the game co- the games coexisting with each other. I think there's a part in Bioshock Two where she's like, "Okay, I'm leaving. Bye." So maybe they yeah, do. Yeah, there is. Yeah, they they do coexist with each other. Okay, so yeah, because it, it's early on that you see her in the first area through a window, then she takes some little sisters and leaves, and then you don't hear from her again, and then now we know she goes here and then leaves with with Sigma Porter Porter. Oh. <laughs> yeah, hey, Subject Sigma part, yeah. Porter thing guy. So I want to rewind a little bit because we're talking sure. about Bill talking about voice acting. I really think it's really interesting that you when you find the 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 tape of him talking about, oh, okay, computer, I want you to turn into Pearl, and the computer, the thinker, does, and he goes, no, this this isn't right, this isn't cool, I can't do this, and the <laughs> computer's like, no, it's fine, I'm I'm completely fine. He's like, no, ooh, no, I can't do this. You need to <laughs> you need to stop it like right now. And I actually think that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, shades of morality in an immoral world, right? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's really 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 good. And that's what makes him such a nuanced, interesting character. He's a he has a Randian. He came here to make something amazing and realize that the world he's in is is not so much. And 
and to deal with his grief. You know, it's which I think it is very. You know, we're talking about going to be talking about Wandavision, Mike and I, mm-hmm. I think next week. Yes. So <laughs> that's what that show is all about, which is great. It's good. I think it's really good and it's very touching and beautiful. And the final shot of him, you know, leaving in the bathosphere is, or I think it just the bathosphere closes and that's the end of it. Yep. Um, and you get a little yeah. picture of the armor off and then him at a grave site. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Cause uh, it does give you that coda. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm also really sure that's not how that works because <laughs> someone released a picture of like what big daddies look like. And they are just big pink meat men. <laughs> like you don't big. <laughs> Go ahead. You don't just take off the armor and be like, I'm okay. Like, especially because like in Bioshock one and two, they're they're big daddies for like a long time. So like someone was like, Oh yeah, here's a concept art for what big daddies look like underneath their armor. And they're just big, like their their heads form to the helmets, just big pink meat men. That's so funny. That's a good point. I honestly don't know. I mean it, it uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good. That's a very good question. But I guess yeah, you're all right. I, I, see with the art. Magic, I guess I don't know. Maybe because he's a different type of you know Big Daddy because he's not the one from the first game. The the Alpha series they are a lot smaller. So maybe that could be it. Because yeah. there are yeah. no the concept art that you're talking about, or at least the images that came up when I googled, are only the Big Daddy from Bioshock One. There is nothing from Two where it's half like you can see the inside of them. Oh okay. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. It's just one has the really, really ugly stuff. It's like a deformed creature. Mm. So yeah, that is really, that's not something I need to see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to click on it. Don't, I, don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I, I think, you know, sometimes when you, with, with fiction like this, you have to kind of trade the realism for, you know, good moments. And I, this is a, I totally get it, Joe. I think that's a really good question, you know, how that happened. But, yeah, but also... Tenenbaum, you know, being the one that kind of helped create all this, she has a way to cure him or something. Plus, you know, I mean, they did splice DNA and make things, so I can I can buy it. I'm going to unsplice your DNA. <laughs> Don't mind me. It's going to take a few few years to kind of very carefully undo the strands of connection between your DNA molecule. Yeah, I <laughs> rapture science, splicing, hoobly goobly. It's it's fine. You kind of just have to. But I think it's, it's actually a very good question, though. I, I, I totally dig that. Didn't even think of it. I was caught up in the emotional moment. <laughs> I, I really did like how you that, how you saw Tenny Bomb, though, at the end, sitting in the bathroom waiting for you. I really did like that. I thought that was a really cool send-off. Plus, just seeing her, I thought was cool, because she wasn't really in Bioshock 2. She played such a big part of Bioshock 1. Yeah, huge. Right. And that's Bioshock 2. Nervous Den. Den. Nervous Den. I think it's really great. I'm glad uh, I'm glad I got to play through it somewhat, somewhat, uh, somewhat, somewhat. <laughs> I got to play through it a little bit. I didn't get to go through the whole thing again, but um, that's fine. It's it's I think as far as DLCs goes, I mean, obviously, I think I posted this right after I played it back in September. You know, what's you think what people do? People think the best story based DLC, DLC is and most people pick like The Witcher and, and uh, you know, Red Dead Redemption and stuff like that. <laughs> And I had this on the list and no one picked it. And I'm like, you know what? Someone's got to like this best. Come on. People do. Like <laughs> when you look up like lists, there's a lot of lists where this ends up being in the top. So a lot of people did like it. It's one of those DLC that because whenever people talk about DLC, it was always this game. People talk about as one of the best DLCs ever came out. And I was like, yeah. OK, so I mean, that's also had, I had a lot of high hopes for this coming into and I was I didn't help either. But yeah. No, it's 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 really an excellent DLC. It kind of does everything I think a DLC ought to do, which is again just kind of add new dimensions and flavors to the core game. It's confident in its core game. It says, well, "I know this combat's good. We know the 
plasmids are fun. We know harvesting's fun for most people. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> uh, which which yeah. leads me up to uh, to a separate question: Does the ending work. not matter if you harvest little sisters? No, there's no, only I, one ending. Okay. Huh. They didn't do multiple endings in this game. They also reused all the assets. Obviously, that's why it was such a small team. Because they're like, here's everything we did in Bioshock Two. Here you go. Yeah, I think they literally like, reused so yeah. much stuff, like for that reason. Which is interesting. It's another thing, Joe. Yeah, it kind of undercuts the point of Bioshock, which is that exploration of morality. Where literally, there's. I guess I didn't even think of that. I guess there's no difference between killing, harvesting, and saving, huh? Hmm. Nope. I thought there would be, but there was not. I looked it up. So. It doesn't matter how you play it. Oh, well, <laughs> you just get more Adam if you, you know, don't harvest them. If you if you save them and then have them harvest the bodies and then instead of just, you know, per- turning them into a into a leech like I did. Yeah. All right, and last thing I do want to say about this before we go to shelf stacker box is the team that made this game went on to make Gone Home. Oh, ah uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These well, these guys were putting on Bioshock Infinite, but they didn't like working on Bioshock Infinite, so then they left, made their own studio. Some of them did, and made Gone Home. Are they full Fulbright is that right? Fulbright, Fulbright Company. Yeah. Yeah. I have never played Gone Home. I own it, but I have never played it yet. Well, you and I may have to talk about it then for a certain other podcast. Gladly. That's uh that's a coming. That's a. That's I need a to here. play it. So that game oh. sure is different. I do love that game. Gone Home is such a beautiful expression of what a walking sim can do, which I don't like the term walking sim. I'll say it a bunch of times, but yeah, it's it's a very, very, very uh, good game. Very beautiful game. I, I like walking sim as a term, though, completely. I think it <laughs> makes perfect. I don't think it's an insult. It makes perfect sense. But I, I understand where you're coming from. I don't want to be like, In oh, 90% of them, you do more than walk. Like walking sim implies that you're just like sashaying through a forest going, oh, that's pretty. I don't but see you, it that way. I see it more as walking sim being a game that doesn't have combat that you just experience. I know. I know what it's supposed but I to I get be. what you mean. I, I get 100% not a great name. I know what it means. But yeah, anyway, it's, uh, right, it's well, fine. As, as, a, uh, as a shorthand, it's fine. <laughs> shelf stacker box. Uh, Bill, what about you? Oh, this is a shelf. This is an easy shelf. I again, like I not to belabor my points that I belabor. It's a it's a really just great addition to an already excellent game. And the combat's still fun. The additions are fun. I yeah, I like the ion cannon. Gravity well I didn't use very much, but um none of it detract. And it does feature I, my favorite voice performance in Bioshock. And it's got a very touching ending. It deals with grief in a sensitive way. It's uh, and it's still just Bioshock. Like, it's just Bioshock <laughs> Two, just more of it, more areas, a new level. Yeah. Yay! Just give me that stuff. So easy shelf for me. Okay. Oh, what about you, Joe? I have to go with shelf. It's a. Uh, it goes up there with Bioshock Two, even though Bioshock Two is okay in my book. I like the DLC a little bit better. So you know, if you, you ever have a chance to play Bioshock, it's like, man, I need something to to help perk up my taste in this. It's like, oh yeah, the DLC is really good. So. I put it on the shelf. Okay. And I'll go last. I'm actually going to put this on the stack. I enjoyed it, but I didn't really, like, I didn't get absorbed into it the way I should have. And again, my fault, as I've said many times this episode, I was rushing, but I did enjoy it. It is very good. And I also recommend that everyone should play it. Even if you listen to this, it's still cool. Hopefully you listen, you didn't listen to this after you already played it, but still, I highly recommend it. All right. And Bill, where can people find you at? If you fancy another podcast to put into your pod player of choice, may I recommend A Gamer Looks at 40? <laughs> it's a, uh, it's kind of like an oral history of games as told through the people who lived it, you know, everyday people who played it. It's a collection of stories. Um, each episode is either a different topic or a different era. I just released, I don't know when this is coming out, Time Paradox. I don't um, as of this recording, 
as this recording just released uh, my walkthrough of the early days of PC gaming. So I got people talking about the PCs they own, the games they played on it. I have a Lucasfilm edit episode coming up. I have a Doom episode coming up. And it's just lots of different people, streamers and YouTubers and other podcasters and just family members and just people I found off the street. Hey, come here. Want to talk about, talk about Doom? Sure you do. It's a neat show. I also have a Patreon that just launched a few weeks ago. There's going to be two extra podcasts on my second tier, one of which Mr. Mike Alberton is going to be helping me with. One of them is about um, those random games my our aunt found. I did not call it games my aunt found, Mike, just so you know. <laughs> my brother and I just got to talk about, you know, those random weird games. Well-meaning family members got us, but didn't know our list. So they get us games like, you know, Journey to Silius, which is actually a really good game, or like Tasmania. I've never heard of, by the way. Or NCAA basketball. I don't like basketball. I hate basketball. Why did you get me NCAA basketball? I don't know. I saw basketball. Um, and the second one is a show all about walking sims. It's a walking sim. So every every month we'll go through <laughs> one walking sim, deep dive into it, because I love that genre of games. So anyway, Gamer looks at 40 on Twitter if you fancy a listen. All right. And if you enjoyed our awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Helena at Hell Hat you will see her TikTok in the show notes. And if you do need more Bioshock, as I said, top of the show, uh, Bioshock 2, episode 143, Bioshock 1, episode 126. Definitely go listen to both of those. And we do also have a Patreon, so if you want to help us out, you will see a link in the show notes for our Patreon. We have a poll every month. I don't know what that is, but hey, go check it out and help us out. Little Zadar, you can go vote in our monthly polls, and you get to affect an episode that comes out every month. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We're only audio, but we are on YouTube, so you can definitely go follow us there. I think that's everything I need to say, so we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all.